I am Citizen 44. This show is sponsored by Paris Green, a curated collection of incredible objects from around the world. Paris is always a good idea. 77 Oak Street, Ashland, Oregon. Visit them online at Facebook. Kira? Uh, just life in some fantastic ways. So Destroy Angel is a line of shirts that you make? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A line of men's shirts. They're, they're dude yeah, shirts. Yeah, they are. They're dude shirts. They're super cool. We have a little history in that area. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Almost five years ago. Is it really that long? I think so. Actually, Mark, it is because they kind of landed around October of 2013, and I think we went in like January. Wow. that next year so they were they were super new they were just like you know in infancy stage and it's morphed just so much into a place where i'm comfortable enough to create a website with them because they're just like they're specific now they're Are all you selling them i am very slowly because my website just recently got launched you know gone through some stuff in the past three years and so they've kind of been dormant for a while but they are ready to take off. They're yeah. just like, get us out there. Yeah, we need to get to sell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ready to go. Oh, gosh, I haven't counted. Maybe, uh, um, I don't know, ballpark is going to say 40 shirts. That's not huge, but at least once I start getting some interest, I've always had to just be so trustful that this is going to, it's just going to happen. When those orders come in, they're there. And yeah, I just have such a trust in this and there's so much that I'm not even part of like I'm just kind of allowing it to happen because like I said if I wanted to give it up I couldn't there's been times where I've put it away you know it's just been oh my gosh I've got so much more I need to focus on but they just keep coming forward like come on Kira get us out there get us out there because they have such amazing powerful message let's hear about the inception and all that went in behind (laughs) all that The inception of it really was just um, all of a sudden I kind of had like literally came to me through night work when I was sleeping, you know, waking up and just almost hearing and feeling these entities just saying we're ready to become these personal superheroes, giving this intentional piece of clothing, of course, through the shirt, just something to, to wear and know that there's this message behind what they're all about. So the destroying angel, they're destroying in a really positive way the blocks, the walls, the, you know, everything that we have that we want to just bust down. They're here to destroy them and they are they. And I say they because their names even came to me one night. They were like, Yang, Yolo, and Chiron. And I mentioned Yolo to my daughter and she's like, oh, well, mom, you know, you only live once. I'd never heard that. I mean, it's been out, but in her generation, she was like, yeah, that's an acronym that they use when they text each other Yolo. Okay. So let's actually back up a bit. Yes, I've heard of it as I would continue to drive up the I-5 time and time again past um, Yolo and Zamora. Okay. So they're two little towns that go from I don't know, somewhere down there, right? Did you say north? No, south. South. Yeah, Cal- oh, California yeah, yeah. coming up. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd see these signs, YOLO and Zamora. And I always used to just like, wow, those are such cool names. And I always pictured these anime comics almost in my head of YOLO and Zamora. So, you know, lo and behold, YOLO becomes one of these anime destroying angels. So, of course, you know, there was some seed planted in my brain for that. So, you know, there's Chiron, of course, the, the wounded healer. We all have a little bit of that inside of us. You um, Chiron? Chiron. And is that a name that was derived from something? Yeah, Chiron has such a history, but to me, it was just, again, a name that came up one day, like Chiron. And then Yang, of course, I felt that being such the, you know, the yin-yang. They're working with me to 
bust down my own walls and I have to personally experience this, personally feel what they're really all about to get them out there in their way that they're uh, wanting. There is a fourth shirt and it's symbolism going down the back of the shirts and they're they're beautiful. I love they them. are beautiful. Yeah. I remember them. I mean, it's a long time ago now. But I remember being on the beach in Santa mm. Monica with you. Yeah. Or Venice, actually. Venice, Venice Beach. Beach. Oh, my gosh. Videotaping dudes coming out of the surf, and people were very generous with their time. So and fun. It was super fun, and we made a cool little video, as I recall. We did. Kickstart a video. Yeah. And um, that definitely got it all. Did it kickstart anything? Nope, it didn't. And you know what, Mark? I look back now, and I'm like, good thing. My goal was a little high for whatever reason. And, you know, with Kickstarter, you have to reach that goal. And and I didn't reach it, but I did receive a response from a few guys. And even though I didn't hit my goal, they still wanted shirts. So that was cool. Yeah. So on the side, I was able to supply them with what they wanted. And those shirts have changed so much. Like the ones that we took to Venice Beach, the design is so different. I can't even imagine. I haven't seen them. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I have a website. Okay. So What's that website? Destroyingangelclothing.com. Okay. Uh, there is a Destroying Angel Clothing and Apparel, which is very dark. You mean something else? Yeah. Another brand that's a different mm, brand. Yes. There. It's very different. They're t-shirts and they're almost opposite from my wanting to shine the light, yeah. really. And um, from what I've experienced from this other website, it's very dark. Huh. And so they're your antithesis. They really are, which is so interesting. Yeah. Are they it's Japanese like, anime as well? Nope. Nope. They're just printed t-shirts and they have uh, interesting words on them. Kind are of they dark. Cool? I personally don't find yeah, yeah, them yeah. cool. So working with somebody to get my website further up in the search engine yeah because past them because i've gotten feedback when people punch in destroying angel clothing whether maybe they're not hitting i don't know dot and so it just automatically takes them to clothing and apparel oh, and it's like right. whoa that's just because they've done the seo work yeah, yeah. so yeah huh. so working with that how did the japanese so, anime characters come to be that's and why, a great and why japanese anime? question so it started with some fabric, and there was a image on a piece of fabric that I cut out and I put on the back of a jean jacket yeah. that I would wear around. And I would occasionally have people ask me about that. It was a girl anime yeah. on the back. And so I went online, I think it was on Etsy, that I was looking for more of that fabric. And... These guys popped up, this fabric popped up, and I just thought, well, these are kind of cool. And so I just ordered a yard of them. And I got them and I cut them out. And I just thought these would be fun to put on these shirts. And I would go to the Goodwill and I would just find cowboy shirts because that's specifically what these are. And I would just knock them down, take the sleeves off, and, you know, do things to them. And I would put these characters on. So. I guess they just morphed into becoming these characters. They're Japanese cage fighters, okay? Yeah. So they're out of print. This fabric is no longer available. It's considered vintage. I went through every fabric warehouse that I could in North America and bought all of it. I'm already thinking that if this happens, and I would love to sell a shit ton of shirts so that I have to get to this point, I would um, create new angels. Yeah, you just draw new stuff. Yep, yeah. um, or hire. There's a fantastic yeah. young oh girl. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Flora and, could totally do yeah. this for you. I, I have kind of planted that seed a couple years ago you about it. I do. I know her, and uh, I love her work. relationship in that way. Yes. And so it's been kind of in the back of my mind that, you know, I, I had this huge dream and vision of these shirts getting to that point. I want to apply to Comic-Con. And so we'll see. We'll see where they go. I don't yeah. know. And I'm not super attached to any of this. But anyway, yeah, 
creating new angels at that point. So then these would be kind of like the first originals. Yeah. And uh, But I do have a lot of fabric, so I'm good for a while, okay. for sure. And if need be, yes, you can have fabric reprinted, but you have to have like 15,000 yards. So these characters, I looked into all the, you know, the legality piece, like, oh my gosh, can I use, you know, somebody else's artwork? And yes, you can. There's a word for it. It's like the tabernacle agreement. And it's once the artist released their art on fabric and goes into fabric stores, they have no say of what can be done. I oh, mean, is that so, right? Well, yeah. I mean, okay. if you think about it, like this right yeah, yeah. here is fabric. Right. And somebody made a comforter out of it. And so there's no legal recourse okay. for that. Yeah. So that's been my latest. And all last year, I was in school for advanced aesthetics. And that, that was, well, I was going for, I, I had a, pardon the pun, but a laser focus heading towards laser tattoo removal. So in order to legally fire a laser here in the state of Oregon, you have to be a licensed esthetician. That was a pretty cool experience, actually. I was um, commuting up to Salem for that. How long did you do that? The beginning was down here, and I did that full-time in four months. And then Salem, I was doing that for five months. So you can do that now? You can laser off people's tats? Yep. Do you need stuff for that? You need a laser? Oh, yeah, you, you need a laser. You have to buy a laser? Do you have your own oh, laser? Oh, my gosh. I don't have my own laser. And, yeah, that's been kind of put off. Lasers are very expensive. The laser I want to work with too is like super expensive. Can you but lease it? Yes. I mean, I so you don't have to own it? You can. just make a payment to it? Mm-hmm. I could. So you can own I it? I could lease it. Yep. The interesting story through all of that is while I was up there in school, my instructor had been researching another device she had been researching it for about a year, and it's a pain management device, and it, it's alternative. Anyway, when she started talking to us about it, I got this whole feeling inside of, I'm not going to say derailing my interest, but in a sense, really. And so when she got it in and I sat in front of this, I'm focused to bring that now into this town because it is incredible what is going on with this whole pain management opioid addiction. It's at such a crisis. It works off uh, acoustic sound. So there's a low frequency sound, which is actually the byproduct, but there's an acoustic pressure wave that comes out of this device. And it's super cool. It was invented by mistake back in the late 90s. It's a transducer, which is a sonar. He was hired by the U.S. Navy, and he was building them for submarines. So this particular device, he is still building these transducers, dropping them into 50 gallons of distilled water. When you turn this on, it, it opens up, emits these waves that are coming out of this box, I'll mm -hmm. call it, and our bodies are naturally absorbing these waves that you can't see with the naked eye, but they're coming out. Our bodies are absorbing it naturally, the whole body, the entire body, and it's reducing inflammation and increasing circulation, among so many other things. Huh. It works on animals, which is super cool because yeah. there's no placebo effect with right. an animal. Like right. they can't trick their minds. Can't trick their minds. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, um, I have a lot going on in my head between the destroying angels. And this new business that I really want to bring in, because there's so many people in pain yeah. and having some physical issues. It's interesting because this device that I'm really kind of focusing on right now, I can see it long term or, you know, down the road. I can actually see that being incorporated with the laser tattoo removal because it does speed up circulation. And from the very beginning, I always thought in my head that once I understood how a tattoo is removed and what is going on in the body, I was just like, oh my gosh. Okay. So you've got to really keep that internal body clean, moving, sweating, you know, drinking lots of water, moving through the lymphatic system. Well, this device helps in that way of not only is it reducing inflammation because that's happening too when yeah. you're firing on that body with the laser there's going to be a lot of inflammation but it's also speeding the circulation so 
that in conjunction with water, sweating, again, just whatever it takes to keep that body in clean, clean, clean. moving, running clean. So I haven't completely put away the tattoo removal, but I'm, I think maybe I'm looking at what's more important next. Mm -hmm. And this pain management piece feels so good for me to be helping folks in that way. Just like it pains me to see people walking around in pain. I love what you said about this place. Uh, What, Mayberry on Marijuana? Mayberry on Marijuana. That's classic. It's true. It is. It is. Almost 19 years that I've been here. And I can remember just like yesterday driving in. It was a rainy, foggy May day in the south end of Ashland and just feeling this quiet, kind of surreal town. You know, there was a lot of open land and yeah. and it's so wild to take that drive now and yeah. look around and see what's so different and, and just the whole vibe about it. I still love Ashland. There's still not a sure. day that doesn't go by that I'm so grateful for being here yeah. and for raising my girls here. And I love it. And they love it. Just like wherever you and I grew up, you know, those places that were what they aren't anymore. And so different. So different. So you have two girls. How old are they? 16 and almost 21. Holy cow. You got a 21-year-old? I have a 21-year-old. I didn't know that. Yes. I I thought they were a little bit younger. Oh, Piper. Piper's 21. Almost 21 next month. What's she doing? She is here going to school at SOU. She transferred down. She was in Eugene for two years. Just wasn't working for her. And so she's here. She's uh, working part-time and going to school and doing so much better down here. And yeah, it's nice to have her here. And she feels a lot more grounded and happier, which makes mom happy. She's still only 20 years old. So remind her, you don't have to know what you want to do the rest of your life. Yeah. What's she doing in school? She recently changed her interest towards um, business. She was forensic psychology. Cool. Yes. And yeah, she's made a change towards the business direction for whatever reason. I don't know where she'll go. It was interesting because I was in college for two years and I was going for criminology, which is very similar towards, you know, the whole investigation and that whole world. And so it was interesting to see my daughter beginning to follow in those footsteps. And then two years, she changed her direction, same as I did. She stayed in school. I didn't. So. And your other daughter's in high school? She is. Over here at Ashland High School? Mm -hmm. How's that going for It's going well. She's super into track and field now. She's been a huge soccer child for practically as long as she's been on her feet. And she still is very much into soccer. And so the sports side of it is keeping her grounded and focused. The academic side is going great. She puts a lot of effort towards it. She's doing really well. She's pulling straight A's and I'm really proud of her. But I'm also seeing how stressed she is. And it's not comforting for me inside to see her up till midnight doing homework and then being really exhausted the next morning and knowing she's got a really long day and the system is very outdated and there's more kids that are opting out of it and something that we all need to take a look at the education system is obsolete these kids are wired so differently than we are they are and and they're doing it well they're doing it they're saying nope this isn't for me i'm choosing something different and they're strong and they're doing it it'll be interesting to see where the schools are at in 20 years What's going to be going on in those classrooms? Yeah. So what's the name of your website again? Destroying Angel Clothing. DestroyingAngelClothing.com. Dot com. Can you buy a shirt online? You can. Huh. Yeah. You choose your character and the size and the color of the shirt. So I have gray, maroon, and black. I feel like when I'm applying these panels or the back character... And this is going to sound perhaps really weird, but I almost feel like I'm being channeled from those characters to just keep going, Kira. Just keep doing this. 
we're eventually going to come out there and show up. And it feels like they're prayer pieces. They all have uh, little tags sewn in because it really does feel like these are prayer pieces that are coming out. And I honestly cannot take full responsibility of this creation because there's so much more behind this that's just pushing me and just keeping me going. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Kira. Love you. Love you. See ya. Your name is Mig, so right? It's M-I-G. Mig. M-I-G, yeah. Are you Russian? Yeah. I think I'm part Russian. I don't know. but uh, Is that your given name? It's actually, I mean, it was given to me, but not as by my your legal parents? name. Uh, my grandparents started calling me Mig. Were you raised by your grandparents? They were around a lot. So, fun story. So, my name's actually Emily. Yeah, that's a more normal name. When I called my dad today, I told him, I said, yeah, I have this girl named Meg Windows. It's either like a really bad porn name. Oh, what? Or a a crazy kind of ghostwriter name. A ghostwriter name. That's good. Or maybe a horror actress. There we go. Yeah. Or a window company, which a lot of people have confused me for. Before I get into the story of why I got the name Meg, I have to tell you that the other day, a guy messaged me on Facebook. I did not know him. I had been messaged by some kind of creepy dudes. And so I was like, oh, no, this is another one of those. And so I opened the message, like, fearing the worst. And it was, hey, my computer will not start. I don't know what's going on. I've downloaded this thing several times. You people are not answering your phones. I'm like, oh, my God, he thinks that I'm Microsoft Windows. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I had because to tell Because of M Windows? Yeah. Well, and also MIG is the Swedish word for my. So my name is actually my Windows oh in my Swedish. Goodness. Because they just call Windows Windows. Windows, right. In Sweden. If you Google my name, you'll get some of my movies and stuff, but then you'll also get MIG fighter jet parts right, that makes uh, sense. for sale. Yeah, <laughs> You'll also get window companies with various names that are kind of like mine, and you'll get a lot of my windows in Swedish. You mean I could buy jet fighter parts online for a MIG? Possibly. I don't okay. know. Well, <laughs> I found images suggesting that. Oh, I didn't images, like, follow I the okay. links. Yeah, I just I went to Google images to see like you know what pictures pop right. up. And it's, it's kind of funny Googling yourself, seeing what shows up. My niece messaged me the other day and was like, so I Googled you and I found all this weird stuff. I found like airplanes and like all this stuff. And then I also found pictures of actresses who aren't you. And then I realized that Google will take images from web pages. So it'll put the pictures of my co-stars and stuff. Oh, right. So it's kind of funny. My niece and nephews, they freaked out when I visited them a couple of Thanksgivings ago because they'd seen me in Redwood Highway. They were like Redwood Highway. I had a very small role. I played oh, one of the hikers, the... but it was a lot of fun. Shirley Knight was great. Yeah. Gary Lundgren's great. Yeah, that was my first big movie set where like, I actually had lines. It was crazy. I had to miss an acting class for that. And well, we're going to have to lower your grade a percentage of a point Didn't they or understand whatever. that you were getting practical experience on a set making a movie with people <laughs> that do those things? Well, it was funny because the producer knew the head of the acting department. So he was able to like call her and be like, hey, listen... <laughs> kind of funny they were cool about it but it actually resulted in me realizing that I didn't want to do the BFA acting program at the school because I was getting so many roles and it was easier for me to take days off in my non-acting classes you know my history teacher didn't care if I missed a day to make a Buick commercial or whatever did you you make a Buick commercial I might be making one soon I don't know potentially upcoming I'm talking to some people we'll see um Wow, that would be can't, super exciting, right? I can't disclose anything yet. You don't have to say what I'm saying. <laughs> Just the prospect's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know. I thought maybe we were looking at the clock mm. up there. The time does not change. Oh, interesting. Is that because it's broken or because... No, that's because I don't want to hear the tick-tock while I'm sleeping. Oh, okay. That it's makes a battery-operated clickety-clack <laughs> clock, you know? It looks cool, though. I mean, well, it's like... you see it's, what time it is? Know. Oh, is it 420? Oh, it still is, yeah. Oh, uh, always 420. Always that's 420. Great. <laughs> That's funny. The movie that I'm currently trying to get together, rallying the the funds for and everything, The Diminished. I saw your picture of you screaming and coming out of the blackness. Yep. One of the lead characters in that movie is a stoner. And uh, I feel like a lot of people have this sort of portrayal of stoners as just 100% being chill. So laid back because I'm a stoner and I don't care about anything. I've met some stoners who were like pretty paranoid about stuff. And really? I thought that would be kind of a good premise for a horror movie. That was they sort of the seed stoners, of that. No, that's, a that's a choice thing there. <laughs> well, I thought about it. I was like, you know, because I knew this guy and uh, he would get stoned all the time and he would get really paranoid about stuff, but he would keep smoking. 
And I was sort of like, what is it that makes somebody keep smoking, even if it brings them to that state? Well, he needs to pick different weed. This is where <laughs> you are the scientist. And you can get a different result if you decide to do a different experiment. What I discovered in writing his character is that he has such deep-seated issues well, that's and such else. things that are going on but, you know, that's not that the it doesn't weed. matter. The yeah, weed is exactly. Accentuating the pre-existing condition. Totally. And so that was kind of my starting point when I when I wrote the script. And you know, it's gone through a really long evolution. It started out as a play script. I was like, I'm gonna write this as like a one act, and I'm gonna do it at the college in the black box theater. And I I started writing it. Back then it was called The Fear. And I felt really good about it, but then I got to the ending and it was very anticlimactic. And I was like, okay. Anticlimactic? Yeah. Oh. It was just kind of like, uh, and then it just ends. And I was like, oh, I kind of hate that. Like, mm, that's not good. And then an interesting thing happened. There was a guy who wanted to make the movie, or he wanted to make that play script into a movie. He's like, mm-hmm. this needs to be a film. And I was like, okay, what do you think it needs to be? And so he says, well, you should change the title to Strung. Because he's strung out, and also his roommate's a guitarist, so it's like a ah. pun. Okay, st- okay, that maybe that'll work, you know? And then he's like, yeah, you know the scene where uh, this woman is, like, sitting on the couch with him, and she's talking to him, and they're getting to know each other and all this, and, you know, he's sort of starting to feel like something bad might happen. He's getting this ominous sort of feeling. I think that scene should take place in the shower. These people don't know each other. Why would they be in the shower together? He's like, also, she should be like half conscious. In fact, she shouldn't even have to say anything. She should just be like covered in blood in the shower, washing off her blood while the other guy's playing guitar in the other room. What a cool scene this would be. And I'm like, Was this Bill Cosby who wanted to. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh no, this is not my movie. Did he give you any money? He did give me a little bit of money, but there wasn't like a contract to it. And I think the money was honestly, I was helping him with a couple of other projects. And I think it was more for that. But I just started to feel uncomfortable about it. And we finally got to a point where I was like, listen, if you want to write this movie and change the characters' names, no one would ever know that this was originally my movie because it's, it's, it's so different. I get that you have this thing that you're going for and that's cool, but like, it's not what I wrote. And so we parted ways and... And then it kind of just sat there. I didn't really do anything with it. A couple of years went by. Uh, I was going through a really dark time in my life. I had this friend who was dying, and there's a whole story there. But uh, I was just, you know, really depressed. And I just didn't feel like leaving my house for, for days. And so I kind of shut myself in my room. And I was like, you know, I want to write a play. And I don't really want to write a play about that, but I want to write something. And so I was like, well, what about that old play that I was writing about the stoner and the guitarist and the the girl who comes over and all this stuff? And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I wrote it on my floor, on my laptop. It took me about three days to write the whole script. I don't think I even got up from the spot at all. I slept on the floor too. I was going through a weird phase. Back then I had black short hair. I dyed my hair red for a, a play I was in recently. And I'm in a play right now where they decided to keep the red. And what play are you in? I'm in this play called An Inspector Calls. An inspector calls, he shows up, he causes a lot of drama. Like Clouseau? Oh, he's not like Clouseau. Oh my god, that would be so funny. It takes place in 1912 in England, and there's a family, they're having this nice little dinner, and my character, Sheila, is the daughter who's getting engaged to the rich guy, and they're having like a, you know, little engagement party for them. And everything is like super happy and nice and, you know proper England, la-da-da, and uh, then Do you use this, an accent? I do have an no, accent. No. and it's <laughs> Okay, oh, let's see. <laughs> no, that was just me oh, laughing. <laughs> yes, so I play Sheila Berling, and Sheila is a very fashion-obsessed, very pretty girl. She loves clothes. She loves her friends, being social, her social standing. Uh, she has a brother named Eric, who she doesn't like very much. He's a little bit of a brat. Her mother is uh, very, very young looking for her age because the actress is a lot younger than the character, but she's rocking it. Like, she's so good. Like, she's around my age. And when we're, her name's Samantha. And when we're, you know, just hanging out outside of rehearsal, like, she's just like, yeah, hey, how's it going? She just seems like really young. And then she gets into character and she's just suddenly like Angelica Houston or something. And it's like so cool. She's just like suddenly so old seeming and it's like really great. The cast is awesome. There's uh, this guy, Beau Brazo, who's been in like 
all of these community theater shows, and his accent is so good. I mean, I, I feel like I'm in England just talking to him. The guy who plays my fiancé is Connor Chaney, and we've been in a couple of movies together and some plays, and so it's great working with him again. Is the play going on now? It's in rehearsals now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. it opens. it going to be? It's going to be at the Bellevue Grange, which is on Tolman Creek Road. Yeah. Yeah. It's Next like, to Briscoe. No, it's at Bellevue Elementary School and then the Bellevue Grange. I meant, that's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. And it's like this little community center, but we're totally transforming it into a theater, which cool. is so cool. Like, it's great space. I've been in there. Well, we're going to have risers with vintage theater seats. Oh. And um, Richard Heller, who's the guy who's like putting this all on, he's also playing the inspector. He went and bought all this stuff for it. He bought a chandelier. He's actually the person who installed the light system and the stage into the space because he wanted to be able to put on plays there. So we're really pulling out all the stops with this one. That's really cool. It has a preview performance on April 12th, which is like the half price performance of Show Us while we're barely out of rehearsals. Right. And then April 13th, it's officially open. And then it runs for the last three weekends in April. Okay. <laughs> By the time people hear this, they'll have said it was great. <laughs> or oh, is this? Say. Well, no, you're weeks out. Oh, I'm weeks out. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. all right, all right. right. Pimp things out later. Sure, yeah, Definitely for sure. For later okay, stuff. that's yeah. good to know. Yeah. For later stuff, well, um, some other cool stuff that I have going on is I'm producing and acting in a movie called Emma Was Here. I know about yeah. this. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Emma Was Here is about uh, Oregon's Death with Dignity Act, and it's got a cast of mostly women and. The four lead characters are all women, and I'm playing Jen, who is the best friend of Emma, the title character, and is writing a book about her. And my character Jen is a somewhat famous novelist who's written a fantasy series, Mm -hmm. and she's determined to write this book about her friend. Emma's sister gets on my case a lot because she's basically saying, like, you don't care about her, you just care about your book. And she, you know, does kind of come to a point... I'm exploring what Jen is like in that regard, you know, and it's something that the director and I are definitely going to talk about too. Because the thing is, like, I really do relate to this character in a lot of ways. I'm also a writer, and I know that, you know, sometimes someone will tell me, like, a really personal story, and I'll just be like, script material, yeah, Yeah, you know? And there's this feeling of, like, oh, how horrible am I that I'm thinking that, you know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) while they're telling me this story, I'm just going, like, ooh, how would I use this in my writing, you know? But I feel like everybody kind of does that when they're a writer, you know, like it's just, it's just inevitable. Well, what is to writing happen. from? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is from experience. If That's very true. Something, That's very and true. And it's juicy and, yeah. and you can reproduce that. So Emma was here is going to be really fun. It's, it starts shooting the day after Father's Day. And then I think we're shooting for two weeks in Medford mostly. We're spending a day on the coast. We're going to cheat a little bit and pretend that we're at a beach house the whole time. But we're really just so gonna be in show exteriors, bam, done. <laughs> yeah. Establishing shots, take care of everything. The dream, you know, initially it was, oh man, we're gonna rent a beach house for like a couple weeks and have all the shots where you can see the ocean in the background through the windows, and then we're just like, that's gonna be such a pain. Like, we don't wanna do that. We did that so. with Gary's other project. Oh really? Black Road. Oh, uh, Black Road. I was in half a second of Black Road as one of the people at that like fair. Or whatever, oh, when yeah, he was like walking through. When we were, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won the costume contest, which really? was super cool. Oh. Yeah, they had like a costume contest dressed like an apocalypse survivor who's trying to be an entertainer or whatever. I was like, okay, challenge accepted. And I covered myself in dirt and I ratted my hair up and cut the arms off of this old fur coat whose arms were too short for me anyway. Oh, I'm sure I took pictures of you. <laughs> you probably did. And then I showed up and I was wearing moccasins and I remember there was like all this hail. And I had to, like, get under a, a tent. Yeah, the weather was crazy. That oh, day. that was crazy. There's yeah. all these pictures that Mary Wilkins Kelly took of Louis Rodriguez drenched in rain carrying yeah. things. That was so funny. We were under this tent waiting for the hail to stop. And I was like, man, I shouldn't have worn these moccasins. But yeah, Black Road is fun. There's, there's like, one shot in the movie. I was watching it. He's talking to Danny Kelly, and they're walking. And you can see me, like, in the background, and I try to pick this girl's pocket, and she pulls a knife on me, and that's, like, my only part. I'm in it, too. Oh, really? Where are you? I'm in the bar. Oh, the bar. I miss Club 66. That was an awesome place. It was an awesome place. It was an awesome place to shoot, too. When I was writing The Diminished, I was like, okay, I want to get into Club 66, and then (laughs) that didn't happen. Because now it's a... What is it? It looks really cool, but it's not a bar anymore. It's an herb place or something. Huh? 
Yeah, I think they like selling they weed like, there. Why not? <laughs> I don't think it's that kind of a place, but I, I think it's like I think they like have some sort of like herbal medicines or oh, something. It's so big for something. I know, like that. I know. I don't know exactly what it is, but I saw some pictures of some buckets of, of herbs and some people huh. filling up bags, and I was like, man, that's too bad. Huh. Club sixty six, rip. I was in a music video that Gary did for this band were, called the Janks. Yeah. yeah. And it was kind of funny. That's how I met Gary and all those people. What had happened was I had moved down to Weed, haha, California, or actually Mount Shasta, but I was going to community college in Weed. I had moved down there with this guy, and my birthday, which was late February, was coming up, and I decided that I wanted to spend my birthday weekend in Ashland with my family. So my boyfriend at the time drove me up to Ashland from Siskiyou County and uh, was staying at my mom's. And then I got like a random Facebook message from an old friend of mine who was like the ex-girlfriend of my dad's former roommate. And uh, she sent me a message. She's like, hey, I'm going to be an extra in this music video. We're looking for people who could do old-fashioned swing dancey kind of dancing. And I know you did some of that when you were in theater. Could you be in this video? And at first I was like, ah, oh, no, I'm going to like see all my family. I'm too busy. But then I was like, well, sure. So I showed up to Club 66. One of the first people I met was Virginia Hudson. She's the lady who does the wigs and the hair and makeup. She talks like this because she's from the South. And uh, she's so funny. She's such a hoot. And so she like came up to me and she was like, oh, honey, we have to fix your hair. And so she sat me down, did my hair up in like this crazy curly thing, which is super cool. And I spent the day in... At the time, I think it was called Stillwater. Oh, yeah. 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 It went through a lot of different incarnations yeah. as a bar. Everything failed. <laughs> Everything failed. Well, I think that it's just a strange location for a bar. Like, that was one of the things I liked about it for film, because it had, like, that great outside and the cemeteries right there, yeah. and that was, like, kind of cool. But I think that people didn't really want to go get trashed right near the overpass and right near the cemetery. Maybe. I don't know. I think it could have been awesome, a music club. Mm -hmm. and a comedy club and a one-act club if they just did it right. It was just mm. shitty, a shitty sound system in there. And I, I think did. it needed to be gutted and redone. You know, I do remember they had a film festival there once, and I thought it was like a cool venue as far as like where it was because yeah. there were drinks. Right and like off the freeway, yeah, It's right off the freeway. But well, it I, was Lumpy's, you know. I remember when it was Lumpy's. Did you go in when it was Lumpy's? I think I went were in once or twice. Here? I wasn't born here, uh, but my family moved here when I was, like, 11. Um, and we'd been coming up here for a long time because my grandparents lived up here. Came up here from where? Menlo Park, California. Oh, that's where you were uh, mm -hmm. started your thing? That's where I started my thing called life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where's Menlo Park? Silicon Valley. East Palo Alto was, like, a five-minute drive from my house. Okay. Um, well, I worked in Cupertino for a while. Oh, cool. My dad did, too. My dad actually had a public access show in Cupertino. <laughs> He had his own little TV show yep. thing? It was called The Windows Show. Oh, my God. So that really like, is your last name, though. It really is my okay. last name, yeah. yeah. But, oh, well, getting back to why my name is Mig. So my parents decided to name me Emily, but so did everybody else the year I was born. And what so Oh, everybody else was Emily. Everybody else was uh -huh. Emily. And I went to school, and there were not one, not two, but five other Emilies in my kindergarten class, wow. which was insane. It was, like, way too many Emilies. And so... My grandparents had nicknames for everybody. My mom's nickname was Tan. My dad's nickname was Tepid. Brother's nickname was Pib. Like, they just had little nicknames for everybody. And there were stories behind all of them. And I can't remember what all of them were off the top of my head. But uh, they decided that my name should be Amiglia. And apparently the reason they decided that was because when I was a baby in the high chair, I, like, twirled my pasta really well. Oh, well, she needs an Italian name. They start calling me Amiglia, which is like just a mispronunciation of the Italian name Amelia that has a G in it. Because the oh. G in Italian oh. is usually silent. Right. Oh. And, but they thought that was so funny. So they were like, Amiglia. And they would always call me that. And uh, they sometimes would shorten it to Mig. I call them my grandparents. They're actually my grand aunt and uncle. But they raised my mom. Okay. So he would call me Mig. He was a fighter pilot in... Some war. I don't remember How which one. He? He's very, very old. His name is Ed Perkins, and he actually was, I think, one of the co-founders of Consumer Reports. And um, he's a travel blogger. He writes for seniors. How many windows are in your family? The only windows are me, my mom, and my dad. 
My brother is a half-brother. His dad is French. His name is Jacques Genet, which is the Frenchest sounding name in the world. Super French. But he is like the biggest redneck you'll ever meet in your life. A French redneck? <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty great. And uh, he's even got kind of an, an accent, weirdly enough. Like, like I'm a like, French accent or a redneck No, accent? like a redneck, like oh, a hick accent. So he's really emboldened it. He's... Yeah, I don't know. He lives in Sacramento and he's got a bunch of kids and uh, they saw me in Redwood Highway and some other movies and... When I went down to visit them, they were like, oh, my God, do you know Mila Kunis? What's it like in the TV screen? They like had all these questions for me because they'd seen me in a movie. They were so excited about movies. And then I realized, I was like, wow, I do not have a lot of movies that I can show them because so many of my movies are... And then Mig's arm gets chopped off. How many horror movies <laughs> have you done? That's a good question. I've done quite a few now. They're mostly shorts, Necrotic, Beach Blanket Frankenstein... Where'd you do that one? <laughs> that was in Newport, Oregon. The directors of Wicked Pixie Productions based in Salem, and I've been in three of their horror movies now. I was in Beach Blanket Frankenstein. I was in Kitty Baby. And I was in Do I Scare You, which was definitely the one that I want my nieces and nephews to see the least. <laughs> because scary. It's pretty scary. It's definitely not for the kids. There's lots of adult content in that movie. And uh, it's, yeah. Okay. Oh, and I directed a trilogy of horror films called The I Never Trilogy. The who? The I Never Trilogy. The I Never Trilogy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is that? So The I Never Trilogy is, it sounds so pretentious now when I say it, but it's based on some Japanese ghost stories that were recounted by this guy named Lafcadio Hearn, who was this European folklorist. He went to Japan, he fell in love with the culture, and he like collected some stories. He's kind of like the Brothers Grimm of... Mm. Japan and uh, he brought the stories back here translated them into English for the first time and I had a book of his stories and I had seen the movie Kaidan. It's a 1964 Masaki Kobayashi film and it's just so awesome it's got like painted sets and everything it's really really cool and stylized and uh, spell the name of the movie K-W-A-I-D-A-N okay thank yeah you. That movie had a big impact on me. It scared me a lot as a kid. And as I was saying, I didn't really like scary movies as a kid, but I liked that one. What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably a documentary, actually. You mean about our life? Yeah. Documentaries scare me more. Ocean? Yeah. They scare me more, really, because I'm like, wow, that's like actually out there. That okay. really is what's, a thing. What's the creepiest movie what's you've ever seen? What's the creepiest movie you've ever seen? Yeah. It takes a lot more now because the thing is that like once I started getting on horror sets a lot more, I played a zombie. That was like one of my first roles. I played a zombie in the movie Vampire Camp. It was like a local horror movie. And once I saw like, the fake blood and the and then I actually started watching a lot of horror movies and I got really into it. So yeah, I'm Mig. You're Mig. Um, I'm Mig. And it, the name just kind of stuck. It just stuck for a long time. And it feels weird. People call me Emily sometimes. It just doesn't really even feel like my name. The people at my doctor's office usually call me Meg. <laughs> it's really strange to hear Emily. And I hear it every once in a while because I guess the new thing at, at most stores is when you pay with your card and they call out your food, they'll call the name right. that was on your card. Right. They'll call they'll be like, Emily? And I'll be like, that's not me. Oh, wait, that is me. Oh, yeah, okay. And then they're like... Did you steal somebody's card or something? Why are you acting so weird? Bartenders have done that. I still get carded all the time, which is hilarious because I'm almost 30. So the reason that there's only three windows is that my dad legally changed his name before I was born. And I think maybe before he met my mom. So I was born with the last name Windows. My mom married into it. My dad changed it to that. It's interesting. Why did he change his name? He just wanted to. What was his name? <laughs> I believe it was Dumet before he changed it. So it was it. French? Yep. Because that's my uncle's name. His last name is Dumet. But it was interesting because I didn't know that my dad had changed his name for a long time. And my mom had told me this made-up story about how, like, oh, Windows, it's from Ellis Island because your dad's ancestors were Norwegian. And Vindauga means eye of the wind in Norwegian. And so they were like, well, we'll just shorten it to Windows. And they did. And I believed that story, I think, until I was, like, 16 years old or something. And the thing is, I looked it up and Vindauga does mean eye of the wind in Norwegian. But it turned out totally fake. And... Why would your mom lie to you about that? Because apparently my dad was on acid when he changed his name. <laughs> or when he got the idea to change his name. And she's like, I didn't want to tell you that. Is that how he came up with the name too, on acid? Well, I think it had something to do with, and I, I can't quite remember the story. 
he saw a van or something and it said windows into another world. And he was like, yeah, that should be my name. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of my online accounts are like jokes about my name for a while. My Twitter handle was airplane parts. And that was also a reference to, I was just in the play, all my sons by Arthur Miller. The plot has to do with these airplane parts that malfunctioned and crashed a bunch of planes. Mm. And at one point, somebody was saying something about airplane parts, and they made a joke because I was sitting right there, and they're like, well, big windows, that's an airplane part. And I was like, ah, this is so stupid. And I like <laughs> changed my Twitter handle to that. What does your dad do now? Dad lives here in town. He actually lives really close to where I do. And uh, he works at Caldera. Oh, which one? Downtown or the other the, side? The one on the other side of town. Yeah. yeah he's, he's been working there for a while now. He really likes his job. The other day, he was saying they were filming a commercial or something in there. I'm getting paid right now to sit here and drink beer and act like I'm having a good time. That is the right job. (laughs) I was like, that's pretty funny, Dad. What do you do at Caldera? He works with the beer. Are your mom and father still together? They're not still together, no. They split up a year or so after we moved to Ashland. Oh, that uh, sounds normal. Yeah. But, you know, they're still good friends, and, good. Um, you know, they'll they'll they hang out every in once town? in a while. They both live in town. Okay. My mom works at the Shakespeare Festival. What'd she do for them? Um, she's worked in the box office now for a long time. Cool. Um, that sounds yeah. like a very secure position. Yeah. And uh, I, I tell you, if you've ever ordered tickets from OSF, you've probably talked to my mom at some point. Oh, was she the nice one? The really nice one? They're all nice. But my right. mom's like, takes it to, like, the extra, the extra her mile. Name? Her name's Carmel. Carmel Windows. It's my mom. Okay. And she had breast cancer a couple years ago, but survived. Awesome. So that was really cool. They got it all. She's good. Yeah. Stuff. She's she's doing good these days. Cool. Um, she's got like a little cottage up in the hills up there. And I go and see her every once in a while and have dinner and stuff. And um, like a family of raccoons decided to start hanging out on her porch or something. <laughs> so every once well, in a she's while. she's nice. That's true. I remember one time I was over there and we were watching like some Lifetime movie or something. And I looked out the window and there was just a raccoon standing at her sliding glass door looking Looking in, in. watching the Lifetime movie. Did you take a selfie with him? I tried to get a picture of the raccoon like watching, but it didn't turn out very well. (laughs) There apparently have been lots of bears and my mom is just, like, not even afraid of bears anymore. Huh. She's just like, oh, that's a bear. Well, it's like your horror movie. You see the things. <laughs> yeah, that's the true. And, that's true. Yeah. And then this is not that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. I actually have found that I'm I'm a little more afraid of horror novels or horror podcasts or scary things stories. Things that you can't see. Things that I can't see because then I have to imagine it. That's right. And I feel like my own imagination is scarier. My friend Jimmy, who passed away, his name was not really Jimmy. His real name was Eric. And we kind of had that in common of having these true names that weren't really our names. And I asked him, why'd you pick Jimmy? And he told me the story that turned out to be fake. Yeah, I don't really know why. What's up with your people that are giving you all these fake stories? Your dad, your mom, your friend. It's taught me to not believe anything. I just don't believe anything. That's not true. I'm actually pretty gullible because I get hoodwinked so often. But he picked the name Jimmy and he was telling me, yeah, I don't know why I picked it. And then at some point we were talking, he's like, oh, you got to read this book called Life Expectancy. It's so good by Dean Koontz. And it's about this guy and there's a clown and like all this stuff. It's like great. So I live in the room that he used to live in and he left me a lot of his stuff. And so I was just going through the bookshelf cleaning and I found the book Life Expectancy and there it was. And I was, oh, hey, cool. And I pick it up and I look at the synopsis. It says, Jimmy Talk is a guy who, oh, <laughs> So I don't know if that's why he picked the name, but I think it might have been. Oh, that's pretty good. I think it might have been. So, yeah. If not, it's still a great story. And I've been, you know, slowly reading it when I have time. I think one of the things, though, is I feel like having found out that maybe where he picked his name from, I don't want the book to let me down. (laughs) But that was pretty weird, finding that. That's pretty Um, weird. Yeah. He wanted to follow through. (laughs) So funny. But yeah, actually, the first movie that I ever made that I directed was called Not a Bench. And Jimmy and I had written this play together called Not a Bench. And he had said that he wanted to turn it into a a movie at some point. And then he told me he had this terminal illness and he was going to have to leave Ashland. So I was like, okay, well, let's make the movie. So I set up an Indiegogo and I raised $2,000 or something. And that was enough to, you know, make this little short movie. And it was so crazy because 
I was talking to this local cinematographer who I've worked with a lot, Ross Williams, who does X-Rats. And I thought he was going to direct it because I didn't know anything about it at the time. I had only been in a couple of movies at that point. What year was this? This was, I think, 2013 or 14. And so I was like, hey, Ross, you know how to do this. Can you do this? And he showed up and he had his camera and his equipment and stuff. And he was there to help. But he was, well, you're the director. Oh my God, I'm the director. Like people in high school told me that I could never be a director. I remember I had this teacher, don't direct plays, Meg, no one's going to listen to you. (laughs) What school did you go to? (laughs) Ashland High. I won't say who it was. I had tried to direct a scene for class and it was just such a mess that she was just, no one's ever going to listen to you. And that's what you needed though. So you go out and do it. True. I guess that's what I needed. There's a lot of Uh, that reverse psychology going on. Exactly. Not intentional though, unfortunately. (laughs) I learned so much about no-budget filmmaking just in those three days that we were making that. For instance, we shot the scene that takes place at a park bench, and we picked this bench in North Mountain Park that was a bench where we had hung out a lot, and so I felt really good about using that one. And uh, the first day, we shot half of the script. Then we go back the next day, and there's a soccer game going on in the background. Oh. And we couldn't get them to stop, and they were going to be playing all day. It was like a big soccer game. Okay, well, this is totally taken over. So we actually changed the framework of the story to have it take place at multiple benches Ah. instead of just one. So we went all around Ashland just filming at all these different benches. That worked out, yeah? Yeah, it it worked out. And the movies it's such a mess. It's got audio problems. It's got we had to go in and do ADR and like dub over our voices because like the wind was just so overpowering. I think it's terrible. But the thing is, a lot of people really liked it. And it won the grand jury prize at the Klamath Film Festival. Wow. So that was really cool. It was gonna be at the SOU Film Festival back in, in 2015, and there was an error. And they ended up playing the trailer instead of the full movie. And I was so upset. And the the festival apologized to me and they were like, we'll definitely screen it next year. And it was nominated for Best Narrative Fiction, I think. And the next year, not only did they screen the movie, but they came up with the Jimmy Dix Award, which was named after him. And it's it's an award that they give out to the movie that they feel has the best casting, I think, or something, something along those lines. It's like an acting award. And so that's pretty cool because there have been a couple of festivals now where they've given out that award and people will audition for my films sometimes and they'll have Jimmy Dick's award in their thing. And I'm like, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. On their resume. That was the gentleman's name, Jimmy Dick's? Jimmy Dick's. And a project that I just started working on, I started working on this play because I also write plays and do a lot of theater. And I got this idea to write this play. It's very loosely based on when two of my friends and I, who'd also been friends with Jimmy went up to his memorial in Washington. And it was such a disastrous trip. <laughs> and just so many things. It was it was almost like we were the cast of Seinfeld going to a memorial. It's just like all these things happened on the way there. Like all the characters we interacted with were just so bizarre. It was so strange. And then when we went up to give our, our speeches, it was just very awkward. And there was feedback on the microphone. And all three of us kind of felt like we didn't really say what we wanted to say. And so it kind of liked that idea and i i'm writing this play of course it has nothing to do with that at all it's just kind of the setup of these three friends they're going to their friend's memorial and the play opens as if you're at the memorial so when the audience comes in there's pictures of the person who died when you're handed the program there's information about the person who died and there are pictures there and then during the pre-show there's these three people who are being really loud and annoying and falling and arguing with each other and the people in the audience are going to be like god who are these people they're terrible it turns out those are the three main characters sitting in the front row not behaving properly and uh one of them is blind and uh i just thought that would be an interesting thing to write a character who's blind especially in this day and age because you don't really see a lot of that there's the show daredevil and there was the movie don't breathe and that's really like it you don't really see a lot of blind people i don't know any blind things You've never seen, like, a blind person in a movie? There's a great blind character in Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> no, I don't remember seeing blind people in a lot of movies. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fact of life. There are blind and deaf people mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. When there's a blind person in something, they're usually, like, kind of an old person. They have some sort of magical power of some sort or something, or they have some other thing about them. 
So that's kind of why I wanted to write this character. Now, the thing is, I have so little time <laughs> to do any of this. You're not in school now, right? I'm not in school now, but I have a full-time job at Banyan Botanicals, which is a great place to work for. Where's um, that? Railroad District. We don't have a storefront at the moment, but we're a company that sells Ayurvedic herbs from India mm-hmm. and massage oils and soaps. Ayurveda, I don't know if you know a lot about it, but it's really interesting. It's this Sanskrit, ancient Indian way of life, all about eating right and taking the right herbs and daily routine practices. And so it's interesting that <laughs> during my day, I do that and I talk to people about that and I write copy for the website and I work a little bit in marketing and I'm starting to dabble more in videos for the company too. It's all very balanced and grounded and centered and my my colleagues are all really chill and you know everything's super mellow. And then I go and make horror movies. <laughs> it is balanced. Yeah, you're, you're right, you're the right. Best of both worlds. <laughs> but people like they'll be very surprised. They'll be like, "Wow, Mig, I I read this article you wrote about staying healthy over Thanksgiving or whatever it was that I wrote. It didn't really seem like you were someone who makes horror movies, you know, does all this crazy stuff. Yeah, I know, right? Haha, I tricked you. Uh, How old are you? When were you born? I'm 29. I was born in 89. So that was, that was school. Too. I had a really weird school life. So I was bullied a lot. School was not fun. Middle school too? Bullied all through school or specific time? Well, the bullying changed. When I was a little kid, it was very straightforward. It was just teasing, pushing. Like, but why <laughs> you specifically do you think were you targeted? Because uh, I was different. I was weird. Yeah, I, th- I was very sensitive. So it worked. Sure. That stuff worked on yeah, me. Yeah. I lashed out. You know, I like retaliated a lot. And then when I got to middle school, which was, you know, I was in Ashland by the time I was in middle school. It became a lot more subtle. It wasn't so much bullying anymore, but it was kind of like, okay, well, we're just going to ignore you. It was a little more subtle. There were a lot of instances of people, like, pretending to invite me to things and then not, you know? Like, that would happen a lot. Yeah. People would be like, oh, Meg, like, come see this movie with us. And then, like, none of them would be there. Like, things like that would happen. terrible. All the time. And then I got to high school. And high school was, like, a little better because, you know, I made some friends, kind of, but... Is it Ashland High, right? Ashland High, yeah. yeah. But, you know, high school is rough, too. Like, I had friends throughout, but, you know, a lot of the friends that I made were, like, too busy to hang out all the time. And high school was hard for me. I I did a lot of theater in high school, and it was very competitive. And, uh, you know, there weren't as many parts for girls. There were for guys. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, like, clawed each other to the death for these roles. (laughs) Not really, but... It was very competitive. It was very, yeah. And, they have uh, a pretty intense theater department there at Ashland High School. They do. They? I hear it's really actually quite amazing. It's a great department. And it was it was weird. I was in there the other day for the Ashland High School Film Festival. Yeah. I was invited to be a guest speaker. And I, uh, I showed up and I actually saw, and this was kind of cool. I was in the lobby and they had like a little thing with achievements and trophies and whatever of like people and they had like a headshot of this guy that I went to school with who went to like a cool college and was in a bunch of things and like um this other girl who like has been on Broadway they had like stuff up to her you know and that was kind of fun looking at that and going oh yeah I remember him I remember her this is cool and then I saw this plaque and it had like the winners of the 2007 thespian conference and uh it was mig windows first place playwriting and i was like oh i forgot about that i won that thing that was really cool and taylor sharp won something that year too and he was in the movie my name is bruce right after we went to high school that was fun seeing him and that i was like oh yeah he was in our town (laughs) i remember that guy here he is with bruce campbell crazy small world well bruce does a lot of work in this area he does he does i have not met him but uh I've seen Bruce Campbell around. I've always given him his space because I can imagine it would be annoying, like, getting pestered by people. Yeah, but you're a pretty girl who's an actor, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. He might tolerate you more. Maybe. I don't know. I know people who've worked with him. Yeah. You know? And uh, I've heard some stories about him being a fun guy. But, yeah, I I actually, one time, uh, I was in Black Sheep, and Bruce Campbell and his family were, like, sitting at another table. And I was waiting to meet some people to talk about a horror film that we were working on. And this other horror filmmaker, Brad, came in with the lead actress from his movie. And they were in town, I think, because they had a screening of their movie here. And I knew them. 
And so I said hi to them and they sat at the table in between my table and Bruce Campbell's wow. table and there was no one else in the restaurant. And so I'm like, this is so crazy. Everyone in this restaurant right now is a horror filmmaker That's person. So and then at one point, everybody had, for some reason, like his family, I guess, had like gone outside for some reason and Brad and the lady he was with were, were, were not there for some reason. And so it was just me and Bruce Campbell alone and the waitress wasn't in there. And I was just like, I'm alone in Black Sheep with Bruce Campbell. Do I say anything? And I kind of like looked over and he just kind of like made this gesture like, ah, there's nobody in here. I was like, yeah. And like, I didn't say anything. I feel like since that was our first production meeting, that was for the movie Do I Scare You? And I felt like, you know what? This is a really good omen, I guess, for, for this movie. And I think it turned out really well. I won Best Actress at Killer Valley for it. Yeah, that movie was definitely a trip. And yeah, Dan McCloy and Melanie Dahl made that movie. And um, they're the ones who made Beach Blanket Frankenstein and Kitty Baby. And they specialize in what they call low-brow high art horror. First sex scene I did for a movie, was it was called The Truth About Daisies. And I just remember... My friend Levi kept squirting us like in between takes, though it looked like we were sweaty and it was oh. so cold. And uh, Taylor, the actor I was doing the scene with, it was so funny because like between takes, like we're just, you know, we're bros. And so we were just talking about anime. At one point, we just got bored and started literally playing patty cake. And we were like, are you guys playing patty cake over there? That's hilarious. Well, it's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having uh- <laughs> Whatever you're doing is not working. There's only one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. I am Citizen 44.